Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet. How are you? I'm pretty good. Except for my. It's funny how eyeball. you kind of like meet my tempo whenever I respond. <laughs> I'll be like, "Hey, Chad, how are you?" And you're like, "I'm pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to say. I got well, my. We are. We're, it, we're back. Yes, we're back. We're back, bitches. <laughs> I'm so back. sore from eating shit yesterday. Oh my god. I guess when you eat shit, it makes you sore. I mean, yeah. I've never eaten shit before. So. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> anyway, I was pushing my granddaughter on the swing. Completely, I was barefoot outside. Completely lost my balance and then jammed my toe and stumbled over my feet and just could not pull it together. And I just <laughs> fell down, boom, so hard on like on the dirt. I fell down hard, man. It was I just felt like such an old man who I can't react fast enough to save them. I used to fall on purpose all the time when I, I was know, a kid. I've, I've seen the the super eight footage of you falling. Yeah, you have all these falling effects that you would do. That was my thing, man. I would just I would. You would do it like a stand where you would just fall straight over on, like onto your side on the floor, just like whoosh. you were like a like, like a, a jackass st- before jackass yeah. existed. I was like a little stunt guy. I used to yeah. r- ride out the seatings. Yeah, I used to ride my bike. And not on concrete, but on like grass or whatever. I'd ride my bike and then stick my foot in the front tire so that I would endo, go flying over the handlebars. And I used to be able to just not get hurt. I would, I knew how to fall and take a, and roll with it. I would do that just for fun. And right. now I'm just like, <laughs> just, just like those days are over, man. I got to be careful not to fall because I'm my, like my tricep, I pulled a muscle. I, I, my ribs are all sore. My uh, my toe. I thought I broke my toe. It was it was pathetic. Sucks, and now man. and now my eyes hurting for some weird reason. It feels like I got glaucoma in my right eye or something. So I don't know. I just <sighs> you've had a you've had a rough physical run here. Yes, but I did have the grandkids over, the granddaughters, and I was able to my Pippi Longstocking Blu-rays came in. Ooh. And so they totally dug Pippi Longstocking. Have you ever okay. seen? Have you ever seen? Pippi? Oh yeah, Pippi? I totally grew up on that stuff. Did you grow up with the old one or the the new adventures of Pippi Longstocking in the eighties? I, I saw both because my sister was born in seventy four. Oh. Wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seventy four. No. That's not right. The, did you Where see the my sister born? I have seen some of the old ones, but I was, I mean, obviously I was a kid of the eighties. So right. I watched the predominantly watched the ones from the eighties, but I have seen the old ones because my mom and my sister are kind of old school. Yeah. They're like late sixties, early seventies. And it's all dubbed because it's Swedish where, you know, it's totally. so cool. Yeah, I remember that. They're great, man. They're so great for little girls. They're so empowering. Cause she just mm-hmm. Pippi Longstocking just kicks out people's asses you know she beats up bullies and beats up men and lifts <laughs> lifts them up over their heads and throws she's them she's like the pop the popeye of women yeah totally yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. but she's kind of got like magic 
magical powers too. And then she's rich. She's got all yeah. that gold in a suitcase. Yeah. It's, and she lives alone. It's like what little kid wouldn't love that? Especially right? little girls, you know. It's it's really really great. I don't know. I always thought thought Popeye was kind of magical too. Yeah, I guess he was. Watch some of the. He stuff got his magic from his, the spinach, though. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, he needed something. You're right. Yeah. He needed. A, he had a crutch. Like, a, <laughs> like like both you and I. <laughs> We're like Popeye. We're not like Pippi. <laughs> Pippi didn't need a crutch. <laughs> What's our crutch? Well, you smoke cigarettes. Oh yeah. I mean, that doesn't that's, give me my power, though. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah, it. But, but come on, come on. Popeye squeezed the green stuff, shot out of the can, and landed in his pipe. I mean, what was he doing? He was smoking something. It was That's green. True. It came out of can. They put spinach on it, so well, it'd be acceptable. But you know, I mean, you've seen my Popeye meme, haven't you? My DMT Popeye meme. Yeah. I am what I am. And yeah. That's all that I am. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, and I changed the color of the, the spinach so that it was like a, a DMT color. And I wrote DMT on the can instead yeah. of spinach. <laughs> <laughs> there's an Easter egg in that one, actually. If you, You'd have to really look close, but there's a little hidden something, something. Oh, yeah. Even you know, you like to hide things. Yes. Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably get to the point, although we're giggling already. So that kind of is along the lines of what we're going to talk about that okay. everyone voted for. Yeah. How long have we been talking I forgot I to know. look at the thing. I know it was like 15 minutes, the pre-roll. Oh, gotcha. I think we've been talking maybe five minutes, maybe a little less. Okay. Let's say All right. 18 minutes. Okay, sorry. Technical right. difficulties. Yes. No Introduce it, Mike. We are going to be talking about the role of dark... Or excuse me. Geez, see, you be, Blew you it. We're going to be talking about the role of humor in dark art. And, and that was voted upon via poll. And that poll was through the Patreon. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who is a member, $1 and up of the Patreon and an official Dark Art Society member got to vote and decide out of five topics that Chet and I selected. And they chose the role of humor in dark art. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And there was actually a few people that were concerned that we might not actually be able to have enough material for a whole episode uh, on this this particular topic, but I, I, I I'm going to argue that here <laughs> for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's plenty to talk about when it comes yeah, to humor. Dear. I mean, I I have to come at it first from my own perspective as an artist. That uh, you know, my my work is full of humor. You know, totally. it's it's uh, and my uh, it's one thing Gabe Gabe Leonard always says about my work because he, he says he thinks it's funny more than it more than creepy or scary and um jimmy used to my stepdad used to say that and my mom too they both thought my it was too, yeah, yeah it says that in the documentary yeah, yeah 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 they thought it was hilarious so i mean i i feel like you know i probably do more humorous i have more humor than not in my work do you know? you, let, let me ask you, I'm curious, do, you know, I know that for you, I, I understand that the process is intuitive and that you're just kind of doing, you know, whatever's coming out. But when you're creating these ones that are kind of goofy and funny, you know, are you struck by how kind of goofy and funny they are while you're doing it, you know, or, or is it, are you even really aware of it or are you just more in the mode of just creating? I mean, I'm not in necessarily intending it to happen but when it does happen you know i'll see it and it strikes me as kind of funny and i just sort of go with that you know um 
I don't set out like, oh, I'm going to do a funny one this time. It's always right. just comes out. And the only thing I have done, I, w- I will say, is where I've set out to do a not funny one before. Like, I want this one just to be pure evil because I really don't do right, that right. that much. And I, I think that's really a big misconception about dark art, too, is that it's is that um, it's all dark and serious and evil yeah, and, yeah, and it's right. so and not gory and gruesome yeah and, and that's those are the other aspects that are often people assume right and some you know it, on the edges yeah that's true maybe on <clears throat> on the you know well maybe not even on the edges but just in those are elements that come up but sure. um you know i think humor is i, I think humor is important <clears throat> with everything you know, there's totally nothing more off-putting than someone who takes themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck that. I mean, well, li- life's too weird to not laugh at it. You know. Well, I mean, you get the choice. You get that's why the, they have. You know, even in in the old forms of theater and and satire and these things, they have. You know, the the classic face that is half smiling and half frowning. You know, mm-hmm. because it's like you could either Comedy cry about certain. Yeah, you could either cry about something or you can laugh about it. I mean, that's right. your choice. Because yeah. it's like sometimes I find myself laughing about things that most people would probably cry about, and it's because I, I that's how I'm going to choose to treat that emotion. You know what I mean? I'd mm-hmm. rather laugh about it because laughing makes me feel good. If I already feel lousy and then I cry about something, in all reality, I'm probably going to feel worse when yeah. it's all over. Crying, now, make, crying makes cry you feel about. good Don't too. Get me wrong. Crying makes there, you. Yeah, cry, it's a release in the same way as laughing is. Maybe I mean sure. similar. Sure, but I think that humor. I get your also, point, though. <laughs> but humor also, I guess, to color that point a little further, humor also provides distance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is to say that you know when you're when you really start crying and immersing yourself in the sorrow of something, you're kind of going into it. When you're able to laugh about something, you have a little bit of distance from it. You're not taking it as seriously as you are if you're fully delving into it. And there's a time and place for both. Mm-hmm. But even in your artwork, even in a film that's scary, the reason that they have humor, the reason that there are scenes of humor is to release the tension. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because people need to take a breath. People need a break. You know. I mean, right. people need to be able to be like, Whoo, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a haunted house, people laugh and they scream. Those are the two things yeah. they do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's one of those things that <clears throat> it doesn't mean that everything you do as a dark artist has to have humor in it. Um, you know, there's a time and a place. I just, it's my humor, my artwork is part of my personality because I've got, you know, humor in, in my personality you know totally. so um you're a funny dude yeah i mean i like funny i think everything's funny for the most part a lot, a lot of things are, are are hilarious and so um it's just as a as an expression of being i guess a well-rounded person my artwork is is an extension of myself it's me expressing myself so there's going to be humor in there um you know i, I just for example, of, of uh, just because of something I've been watching lately, and, um, of uh, of a film of films that have humor versus non-humor, I was watching um, both of them dark. Uh, I got the new Night of the Living Dead Criterion Blu-ray, which is really awesome. It's got like cool. 4K restoration. It's like the best, and you know, most people probably know it's pretty much my favorite movie, which you haven't really seen since forever right well you know what's funny is look at this right here you'll you'll appreciate this right here next to this 
is oh, nice. And it's it's a collection that has the Devil Bat, House on a Haunted Hill, White Zombie, The Last Man on Earth, The oh. Bat, and Night of the Living Excellent. Dead. All it's a five We're, disc. Or it even wow. says five. It's on got it. Last See Man that? on Last. Yeah. <laughs> Last yeah, man, kinda, and they're all the old school ones. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. all like the old school original versions. I wonder how the transfer. It doesn't matter. Of Night I haven't of opened Death. it yet. But anyway, so yeah, well, you're well, correct. Let, it's been many years since I've seen Night of Night oh, of Living Dead. You got to watch it. You got to sit down and watch it. It's so fucking good. But um, now I have it here on my desk. Yeah. Well, the Last Man on Earth is amazing too because that's based on a Richard Matheson story called I Am Legend, which they did the shitty Will Smith movie uh-huh. recently. But that was the Omega Man they did in the 70s was based on that. And Night of the Living Dead is George Romero admitted that he kind of ripped off the story I Am Legend for Night of the Living Dead. So there's a lot of similarities with that. Well, um, I suppose fair turnabout then that he screwed up and didn't get it copywritten and ended up, you know. Yeah, but he, he did it's not a full-on ripoff. It's like a basic... But you'll see you'll see when you watch them both you'll see you'll see there's there's subtle uh they're subtle, inspired yeah they're, they're absolutely one's inspired by the other which right, is inevitable right. that's what we do but anyway point being is night of the living dead is not funny well it's not really funny at all there's a couple parts that have a little bit of dark humor i suppose some of the characters some of the rednecks that are killing the zombies at the end but it's very serious the whole way through but it's amazing and it's a masterpiece but that same director went on to do Dawn of the Dead, which is basically a big comic book movie and really funny. Like it's got all kinds of humor in it mm-hmm. to both, you know, morbid, creepy zombie films, but one being, sure. you know, super serious one being super funny and, you know, mm-hmm. like a wild ride. Right. So it's, you know, I, I, I even Lynch, David Lynch, you know, he's, he goes, He's dark as hell and he's hilarious. You know, his stuff yeah. is full of humor, you know, totally. and really off kilter. humor. There's so many mm-hmm. layers to the humor where it's like you could think it's funny on a relatively superficial level. But then some of the idiosyncrasies of the characters as you watch and the way that they maintain the consistency of them, it has this whole level of humor in and of itself because it begs reality because mm-hmm. that's how people are. I mean, the, you know, that's why he's such a, a an amazing director and, and writer and producer and creator, mm-hmm. because he's able to capture this snapshot of what re- life is really like. Like, what are people really like? You know, if you spend enough time around anybody, you start to notice these quirks and these strange idiosyncrasies about people. Mm-hmm. They're funny because you're like, this person's not going to ever be any different than this. This is how they are. And it's right. kind of funny. And so to see someone representing those archetypes that we've encountered in our life in a piece of art that has a storyline and that is telling you something is it's just amazing. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it's a, you know, a, a masterpiece, the, the kind of, that kind of work where you're able to weave those together because, you know, yeah. we could all think of shitty examples of humor and horror as well as the good ones. I mean, right. when you talk about like humor and horror, like Dawn of the Dead, for instance, I was thinking of like the other day I watched Hard Candy again and Hard Candy is such a great film. I, if, I don't know if you've seen Hard mm, Candy. Yeah. Oh man, you should see it. You would love it. But it's got the, uh, uh, God, what's the girl's name? She was in um, Juno and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Ellen something or other. Yeah. Uh, Paige, Ellen, Ellen Page. Page. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you gotta see Hard Candy. It's so great. But it's I, I don't All now right. I can't talk about it too much because you haven't seen it, yeah. which is a little I'll bit watch it. but what I'll say mm-hmm. is is they do a great job in this film because they're dealing with really intense subject matter, like subject matter that's so intense that it makes you uncomfortable. You are uncomfortable. You are going to be, you can tell once you start watching this movie, basically, I am going to be uncomfortable while I'm watching this because it's just touchy, touchy subject matter. But they utilize 
this humor in there that really eases the tension in these very necessary stages because yeah. you know a lot of people wouldn't be able to make it through that film without that humor and there's a incredible moral value in this film like you get done with it and you're like wow i mean mm. that you learned something you know mm. and, and not that you didn't or maybe it corroborated what you already knew but anyway it's valuable you know and right. it's it's a journey you're on but the intensity of it without any humor you it would be difficult to make it through the film you know right, because yeah. of the subject matter so Again, it's this purge valve, I think, in many situations, and it allows people also, furthermore, to kind of laugh at the things that scare them. I mean, that's that haunted house thing. That's mm -hmm. the go to a dark art show and have everyone be all friendly and stuff, and you're looking at this scary stuff on the wall, but then there's also these funny bits in there, you know, and there's this humor and there's this positivity. And so, again, it gives you that opportunity like we talk about in the documentary of shining that light in the dark closet mm -hmm. because it's like, Ooh, it's scary. But then you start to look a little closer and you're like, well, there's some funny things in this. Like maybe it's not as scary as I thought it was, you know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, you know, it all, it, that makes me think about, um, you know, how I was always into pranking people when I was a kid and scaring people, you know, mm -hmm. that was, that was, as much uh, weird and <laughs> dark as it was, I mean, I was doing it for the shock factor, but for the laughs, because I thought it was hilarious, like cutting my finger, pretending to cut my finger off. That stuff was right. all because I thought it would be funny to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. So there's there's definitely this correlation between, um, you know, scaring people and thinking that that's kind of funny too, which is a little sure, bit, sure. it's a little weird, but... You know, well, but I think that the reason for that, in my interpretation, is because what follows fear when you're not actually threatened is relief. Right. And so, the, you know, even though, because I, I was a prankster and I would do that kind of stuff. And even though you would scare the person and they would be scared, after they realized that the threat wasn't real, all of a sudden it's funny, right. you know, because they're like, oh, I can't believe I, I got so scared over well, a non-threatening <laughs> thing, you one, know. Uh, let me, I'll give an example where that wasn't true one time i did the nail because i used to do a nail through the finger thing where i would you know somehow rigged up a nail to where it went through their someone's finger uh -huh. and um i did it on my friend and the thing that blew it was he reacted too insane like by so he i'm sorry i'm not explaining myself what wrong ah, he went to go i it's the caffeine water's kicking in Sorry, I just started drinking my caffeine water. But he goes to his mother. Speed water. <laughs> I put this uh, nail through his finger with a bunch of blood, and he just starts going, ah, 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 like screaming like crazy at the top of his lungs to his mother. And she got so pissed, you know, because yeah. it wasn't like, you know, a second, oh, I got a nail on my finger. Oh, it's just a joke. It was sure. like, she freaked out and I under, you know, completely understand that, but <laughs> well, that but just again, I guess of. the point that you're making is, is the reality in life is that, you know, everyone is an individual and not all people react the same to all things. I mean, she that's the not, flavor of life, she was but, you can, but you can generally say that the reason that people will go to a haunted house, for instance, oh, for is, fun. is because they, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Because they get to be scared, but it's in a controlled environment. And again, right. with dark art, right. And your kind of work, again, what's a gallery like it's a controlled 
environment. Mm-hmm. It's a place where you really know that nothing is actually going to threaten you, but you can still, in, you know, imbibe in this kind of scary vibe and sit there and get lost in these paintings and really allow your mind and your imagination to go wild, you know, and take that with you. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are movies that I watch where after I turn that movie off, I know that there's no threat, but all of a sudden, you know, I'm feeling like I'm home alone and it's dark and mm-hmm. I live out here in the country and they pushed enough of my buttons to get me kind of riled up and like kind of looking over my shoulder and being a little jumpy, you know, right. and to me, that's exciting because it takes a lot to get me into that space, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if someone's done that with a horror movie, they've done their job, you know, because yeah. I'm not going, everyone's different, but I'm not going there to be kind of scared. If I want to watch a scary movie, I want to be scared. I want it to have a lasting impression right. on me. You know? But again, everyone's different. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, the, f- probably the first funny comedy horror movie I really liked was, um, uh, what the Shaun of the dead, you know, That's I was, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I was really skeptical though. I, I've never been one. It's funny as a kid growing up, I was never into the mix of horror and humor as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I wanted, I was going, I wanted the scares. I wanted to, it to scare me and that mm-hmm. was sort of the one that changed my mind about it when i when i first saw it uh, i remember seeing return of the living dead and i when it first came out and i was so bummed that it was a comedy <laughs> i was yeah, like yeah. i didn't come here for this but um you know th- th- another thing i wanted to bring up is the uh you know when we're talking about humor too dark humor is you know dark and it's it's you know it's it's i think a lot of um dark art has dark humor in it or it can have dark humor and it usually ends up if you add humor to it just the fact that it's in a dark painting or a dark art piece gives it that twist of black humor dark humor and um Mm -hmm. you know and even comedy it's funny because comedy a lot of comics you know they they they're always saying how dark their material is and it's and it's it's more like um you know i wouldn't say comedy is dark art but i would say that a lot of comedy has dark art elements in it you know well a lot of comedy is satire and what is satire more but basically poking fun at the the dominant paradigm in most cases you know and so that is in and of itself dark humor because you're not making light of things in a positive fashion you're making light of them in a negative fashion you know Yeah, yeah it's it's a you know it's a really strange thing because when i think about you know what i like i don't like comedy i mean you know you and i have talked about this many times you know i am not a big what happened com- though cuz cuz in your in your um uh, on your uh your uh, emails from infinity you talk you on sh- the author's page yeah, on your author's saying, page you still have all these comedies you like totally, why don't you like comedies totally. anymore i don't know I, I, i'm so guess, surprised that that you you're not into comedies it's just what's funny is, is you know that i am because all the ones that i know you've turned me on to <laughs> that i like i like so it's not that i'm not into comedy it's just that i am not into classic traditional comedy right mm-hmm. i mean like i consider fear and loathing in las vegas a comedy mm-hmm. i consider it a comedy yeah, film definitely. and it's hilarious to me i love it right yeah. there's a lot you know the office that's great it's yeah. comedy but it, you know and it is more traditional i guess i would say with the office that is a more traditional kind of comedy uh style but like for instance when it comes to art where the name that always comes up for me is dave mcdowell you know and i know mm-hmm. i've said him in the show a bunch of times i'd love to have him on here but i just love the guy's artwork i think it's so oh, yeah and it's hilarious 
so yeah. well conceived and it's yeah it's just incredible and it's so funny and it's so dark you know right. i mean everything about his stuff is absolutely satire mm -hmm. and you know, the thing is, is sometimes all you can do is point out how fucked up the world is. Sometimes you, there's because, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. You can either feel stymied about that or you can express yourself and point out how fucked up. Yeah, it they, is, the, you know, you know I mean? yeah, you can you can laugh at the absurdity of exactly. it. I mean, that's, and that's sort what of... makes you feel better. I look at a Dave McDowell painting and I feel better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or I, I look at a good meme that's like an irreverent, obnoxious meme that not, you know, uh, sexually irreverent, perhaps, but just, you know, something that's that's sat satirical and I'm like it makes me feel better because I'm like yeah there are other people out there that see how corrupt right. and, and messed up the world is you right. know even you know a, a lot of I guess it's it's a matter of taste because a lot of um, music as well that I listen to I'm just starting to think about this now that we're talking about it. a lot of music I like is you know just like I was saying that on the experimental podcast that a lot of bands I like were experimental, which I did think of a whole bunch of other ones as soon as we got off there. Because the last time I was like Devo and No Means No, and but there <laughs> I forgot a bunch of like Camper Van Beethoven and You said Camper Van Beethoven. Oh, I did. Uh, now yeah. I forgot them all again. But anyway, it's not my point. <laughs> <laughs> point being is uh, a lot of them have humor as well in them, and I will cite again. Devo is like. I know you're not, I haven't converted you yet, but it's only because you don't fully understand, but you will. Devo is uh, super, There's. it's dark. That's the thing other people people don't get about uh, Devo is it's very you dark. You showed me all the early stuff. I know. It's super dark. It's yeah, 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 right, dark. right. But it's also really funny. It's like fun, f totally it funny. absurdist and stuff. And same with No Means No. has got a huge sense yeah. of humor yeah. in their work. And totally. um, so I... I Camper and Beethoven's hilarious. So, um, you know, I, I love the stuff that is mixing the two. I think it's it's great. Like I said, it's more of a, a, a well-rounded kind of thing. And I, I just think that, you know, especially nowadays, if you don't have humor, you're fucking goose is cooked man now you have to have you have to be able to laugh at this because everything is so ridiculous i mean it's every day there's more ridiculous shit and you have to laugh otherwise you'll go insane you know yep yeah. Well, and also I think that there's just a level in that of having that kind of uh, more cosmic awareness that, you know, it's that there, everything's temporary, you know, and right. being able just to like laugh my at things that are yeah, <laughs> like meme, meme. Exactly. Yeah, that was one of the best memes <laughs> ever. So but it's fun. just like we should put that we should put that in the cooperative group so people can oh, you know, yeah, yeah. after this episode so they know <laughs> what we're talking about. But yeah, it's I actually know, I stole it from some guy's page. Of from course, the that's how memes work. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's exactly the, the purpose. I of, wasn't friends of, with him. I'm so trying to tell. educate people on this meme thing because everyone thinks it's just this thing that we all see. But that word existed long before people the popularized know. version. People, of people know about memes, I think. I mean, people know what's up with memes, I think. You don't think? I've not found that. I have found that people don't understand that, that there actually was a definition and the word existed yeah. long before someone took a picture and put words in an image on it that, you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, but anyway, this episode anyway. is not about memes, but the point is, is that, you know, being able to laugh at things that are just absolutely either absurd or terrifying, even, you know, it is being able to say, okay, it's not all that serious. I mean, it looks totally serious, right. but it's not because, you know, at the end of the game, it's, you know, I'm just go back to the 
thing I came from. So who the fuck cares anyway? Well, you know, and you need to have, I mean, I need at least, I don't know if a person needs, but I need to have that in my life. I need to be able to be like, you know what, for all, you know, I, it, you, we take all this stuff so seriously and it feels so serious. That's right. the thing. All the stuff that's going on feels so serious. And if you can't take a break and laugh at it and have some perspective and realize, okay, it is not as serious as it seems to be. Right. Then like you said, your goose is cooked. It's over for you. You know, at least for me, it would be. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, it, it, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Damn it. I think it's, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, it, it, that's the paradox though. It's, it is serious. It's real. Life is serious. It's hard, man. It's, and it's real. And at the same time, it's absurd and ridiculous. And that's the weird and non-permanent. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's, you know, that it's, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, a common, um, uh, occurrence in the psychedelic experience is that you, there's a point where you just start laughing uncontrollably and it's, you know, I, I, in the, especially in the early days or when you first start taking something like that, that's that first stage where you just start laughing for no reason. Like you're insane, but really you're laughing at the absurdity of everything. Cause you realize once your ego starts breaking down, you realize this whole, this whole world I've created around myself out of this thing that I think is me is such a joke. It's not yeah, real. Yeah. It's all made yeah. up in my head and I've taken myself so seriously and I've gotten so upset about stupid bullshit when it's pointless and ridiculous, really? utterly ridiculous. And so there's always that feeling, I think, in that uh, within that experience that, you know, you, you, you come out or I and I know you have you come out with the uh, really profound feeling of how profound and beautiful life is and amazing and incredible and miraculous but also how absurd it all is you know mm -hmm. at the same time which is really strange well then that's the thing I, I feel like anytime you start talking about the paradox or any paradox you're getting too close you're getting as close to the thing as you can get to with words right, right. because this thing that we're all talking about that's like the thing we can't see this deeper thing what happens after death what's it all about all this stuff that we really we could talk around it and so the minute you get to the paradox it's like you're at the roadblock there that right. goes around this thing because you're never going to get any closer than the paradox if you're feeling the paradox you know you're close as close as you're going to get with words, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. to the thing whatever the thing is yeah. you know and anyone who's listening knows what i'm talking about if they've been near the thing <laughs> the roadblock, talking about the paradox you yeah. know that's the you know i i guess for me i, I think you're right it's all a, a balancing game and i feel like too there's also a level of dark art being or 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 scary being pulled into humor for the other reasons so it's like for instance peewee's great big adventure uh you know mm. great film dude the large marge scene when i was a kid scared the shit out oh, of me yeah, right yeah but the movie's just a comedy and it's funny yeah. and, but there are these dark scenes you know or willy Wonka well, in the chocolate a, factory well, the original when they're going down the channel you know and they're in the boat and there's all yeah, this yeah, stuff oh, right right oh. yeah yeah i mean but and tim burton's a great example of someone in both camps you know his stuff's funny totally. but he's totally like into dark stuff and horror and he definitely goes more towards the the comic end but it, there's always this element of dark stuff like beetlejuice and and yeah you know edward yeah. scissorhands and you know they are like i don't know it's that their humor and darkness are definitely related to one another you know clo more closely than people think i think mm -hmm. on the surface you know absolutely i i, I just i just think that 
I don't know. I look at my my uh, my favorite artists and um and and I and I see a lot of humor in the work, but not necessarily. I mean, it's funny because Bekshinsky used to say he thought his work was funny, and I've not seen a lot of Bekshinsky that I thought was funny, it, or at least that's not what I'm getting from it. Is the humor? Giger had stuff that he had some funny elements in his work as well, like weird bizarre kind of funny stuff mm-hmm. you know but um even dos diablos as an example his stuff is really freaky but there is some funny kind of weirdness in there that makes you mm-hmm. kind of like i don't know it's, it's just even the color palette he's using is, is a little bit not so obviously grim he's got like some pastel colors in there and oh yeah yeah his color palette has a lot of warm flavors in it you know and so it has kind of like ah, uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of oh, a, a warmer lighter feel you know right. things in these kind yeah. of like you said pastel tones almost yeah but he's got think guys you know just sometimes they're sticking their tongues out and and stuff that mm-hmm. really just makes me laugh you know i think it's kind of it's got you know he's got his sense of humor in there you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. I just, I just think that it's really um, important not to get too hung up on, oh, I'm going to be dark. I'm going to be all dark. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it, that is not life. You know, it's uh, it's taking things too seriously. is just no fun. You know, <laughs> it's no That's fun. Line. Nobody, yeah. I mean, nobody wants we all that. Have choices how you want to feel, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, though, and I guess I always get back down to that saying there's always going to be that atypical person who, you know, that, that for them, it is fun to be, you know, angry and deal and, and just do dark stuff all the time and right. feel, you know, rage and frustration. Like for there's got there are people out there that that feels good for them. Now, the reality is, is I am not addicted to those same chemicals that come with those same neurotransmitters that are related to those neural pathways because I've not developed those. For me, I like to feel good. And the way I feel good is through positive things that make me feel good because I'm addicted to the feel good chemicals, but you could get addicted to the feel bad chemicals and it still feels good because you're still addicted to the chemical, whether right. it's a chemical that gives you a negative kick or a positive kick, either way, well, I, we, we become dependent on the chemicals that you know are being released based on the experiences we're having. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that with um, dark art, actually. I mean, I kind of feel that way with my uh, attraction to creepy things. It still feels odd to me because as long as I can remember something like um, a Bekshinsky painting or a horror movie that I think is really great makes me feel good. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times it doesn't make me feel scared, maybe how it was intended, but it makes me feel good, which is really weird when you think about it, you know, but I, I think maybe the the differences between uh, someone that might be pathological or something is that I, uh, I didn't. If that didn't scare me, I never ran away from that. I always accepted mm-hmm. it. My family always accepted it about me as just a personality quirk. And yep. and no one ever said it was bad. And I think, right. you know, the problems come when you uh, are denying who you are and what you like and what you think is cool. Absolutely. And trying to fit into 
a, a role that you're not s- suited for you know totally totally i i couldn't agree more i mean the reality for me is that very much the same you know i had a proclivity towards interest in dark and and often actually quite violent and gruesome and gory stuff i mean really like your tastes when i look at the tastes that i had as a kid and i think about the taste that you had i was very much invested in more gruesome and gory and violent stuff without a doubt and again it was really uh, by virtue of my parents not stomping that down and causing a problem over it, but just allowing me to draw the stuff that I was drawing and to watch the kind of stuff that I would watch within range of what they were acceptable with, you know, but still they, they were willing to allow me to indulge in that kind of terrifying, gruesome, violent stuff because I liked it and they didn't judge it and they didn't label it. And I, you know, again, I'm incredibly thankful for that because I think that that's how you end up creating a lot of problems in people, these mental complex that then later situate them to act out aberrantly, you know? I think the reason that I don't act out aberrantly is because I know that I can totally engage in it in on a whole other level. I don't need to act out aberrantly, but if you're not allowed to look at the material and engage in the material and do all this stuff, you know, you're you're eventually you're going to have to do something because you clearly are related relate to that, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. for me to be able to draw monsters and make monsters and watch horror movies and engage in all this kind of scary stuff, haunted houses and heavy metal and all that, that was that allowed me then to be able to normalize and be like, oh, it's acceptable. These are the acceptable avenues to engage in that. That's right. cool. But if all of that was taken from you and you were like, they were just like, no, that's bad. It's wrong. It's evil. You know, God, what, what can that do to a person? You yeah. know what I mean? Later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You bring up heavy metal, you know, I, I <clears throat> that's got me thinking how um, one of the, I guess one of the reasons I, I never fully got on board with the metal scene. You know, I like, like I said before, I like metal as much as I like any other music. I don't, but I don't, some people are like anything metal they're into. And I'm not, I've never been like that. I've more, I've always been more of a band person. You know, mm-hmm, I like, too. I like the band rather than the style. And I, and me I like too. a lot of different styles, but um, one thing I don't like about a lot of metal is that it takes itself so seriously you know, sure, and sure. It, yeah, you know, there's a place for it and that's cool. And there should be bands that take themselves seriously. Um, if they're, if, if that's what their art is requiring, then it's all serious. That's cool. But you know, that's, that's part of the problem with some of the, you know, the, the guy, the bands that are just so dark. They have to be just like, ah, everything is so intense and extreme and horrible and it's like come on i can't take that seriously you know (laughs) and i i i appreciate bands like even tool has a you know have always had a sense of humor in their music yeah you know they're super serious when it comes down to it they're making these serious statements but they've always injected humor into that they've had little you know segues between songs that are funny and a lot some of their visuals especially the older shows i remember were actually had some really funny kind of stuff um you know just yeah, the, i mean even all the way back to opiate you know i mean lots of the songs on that have humor in them you know i mean yeah, the beginning yeah. of the live song is all you know get that bob marley wannabe motherfucker out of here yeah, you yeah. know and it's just like stuff like that <laughs> like that they would keep that outtake from this live right. show and put it in there yeah know? yeah yeah and i think that's worked well for them and and and, and that that takes the edge off from you know, being perceived as taking yourself too seriously. 
So, I, you know, it's again to each their own. If you feel the need that, you know, your work is very serious, then that's between you and your work. And totally, you know, but at the same time, I, what I'm I gravitate to, um, I like people that don't take themselves too seriously. You know, mm-hmm. it's a real it's pretentious as shit. Yeah. The way I see it, when you when you're just all about being serious and you can't laugh at yourself, it's terrible when you can't laugh at yourself. People who can't laugh at themselves are a drag, man. Yeah, that's the worst. It's like so. Who wants to be around somebody who can't laugh at themselves? Right. You know what I mean? It's no fun. Yeah. Nope. And I mean that's the thing is if you you know you may not ever be able to laugh at the circumstances going on in your life, but you can at least laugh at yourself amidst the circumstances. Like I have a hard time right now in my life laughing at some of the circumstances that are going on, <laughs> but I can laugh at myself in the face of all of right. that. You know what I mean? And and maybe you know when things aren't as difficult, it's easier to feel like oh la di da about the circumstances. But you know I guess again the point is is it doesn't mean that you're just not taking things seriously seriously in your life because you're being humorous about yourself you know right. what i mean there's they're they're very different things the things that happen to you are not you they're the things that happen to you you know yeah yeah i'm thinking the, 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 go ahead oh no i just occurred to me i was thinking um of a, a an artist that i love that is all dark and no humor is stan he's an yeah. example of his work requires total seriousness and when you know stan and you know his situation you understand that yeah you know so you know it is it it it, there is a place for it for sure yeah Uh, i mean i don't think we're not we're on a campaign on this episode to try to say that all dark (laughs) art has to have humor in it by Mm. any stretch of the imagination but i think that we we would like to discuss the virtues of it because they're, you know, it's important. And I think also one topic we haven't talked about that is also another reason why at least I perceive it's important is because it creates a bridge to people that wouldn't otherwise be able to engage in that artwork. Right. So yeah. for instance, it makes it more, a little more there. palatable. Yeah, totally. There mm-hmm. are people, and I'm not saying again, as Chet was saying, you know, oh, make your artwork funnier so more people will appreciate it. But, but that is one of the functions. It just you know, does yeah, function it, that way. You know, people will react to it in that manner. And, and you know, if you got, let's say we had an art gallery show and it was all like horror art, like straight horror art, like album cover horror art, you know, normal people, quote, people that are maybe even on the fringe may not be able to go in there and appreciate it, you mm-hmm. know. But if they walk into a place where it's dark and it's weird and it's creepy but it's funny and absurd and there's also this humor it allows them that visual dialogue where they can then start to interact with the painting because that's what you need you need a person to be looking at it and moving their eyes around and engaging in it and they're they're being informed you know and so if there is humor it's much easier for a person who is already standoffish with dark art material to be able to have a segue in right right i guess you know what i'm thinking is your your artwork should be pure and it should be real and it should be from your soul right and um if that's if 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 that means you you have no like stan if you have you're not about humor at all you're all about you know really serious dark stuff that is cool if that's right for you but i guess the point that we're sort of making is that not that all yeah like what you said basically not that all humor is a is a part of all dark art it's not the case it is humor has a can have a place in dark art and a lot of and a lot of it does have um humor in it 
Yeah. And it's, and and it's, sorry, it's, it's, it's also, you know, it seems at odds with dark art, but I guess what we're talking about is that it's not at all at odds with dark art. It fits right in. It fits like a glove. It's just, you know, and that's one of the cool things about dark art is that it's not just dark art. It's like dark art has so many layers to it, you know, so many different parts of it. It's very deep and, um, and, it it, it it just it goes deep it touches a lot it pushes a lot of buttons and it touches a lot of you know makes a lot of uh, <laughs> you know? well and, and also humor is one of those kind of outburst emotions like fear right when you think about the types yeah. of qualities mm-hmm. of, of emotions that people have when people are you know typically if something really cracks somebody up or something's funny or something really you know strikes them they have this emotional reaction to it and it's very much true also for fear it's, it's kind right. of this big reaction and so again what you're talking about is is this artwork touching people on an emotional level you know whether that's out of you know scaring them or that's causing them to laugh or maybe it's causing them to do both you know right and i But I think, again, it comes back down to something deeper, you know, and it's something that it's why it's worked for so long. And that's why, you know, I brought up again some of the, you know, the the old theater ways, because the reality is, is that storytelling is, you know, the oldest form of entertainment that humans have ever had. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, telling stories, sit around even even, you know, a hundred thousand years ago, sitting around a campfire telling a story, you know, because it's entertaining and people can engage their imagination in it. And the thing is, is that a story is very well defined because it's been around as long as humans have been around. And so it has some very specific qualities that we've all time immemorial evolved to need and to rely on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you really look at the quality of story and the way in which it works, you very much need a hypothesis or a thesis, just like in the scientific method. You very much need a development of story and character, and you very much need a state of of climax and then resolution. And those are the things that are necessary in story, right? But when you talk about fear and you talk about comedy, you talk about humor, these are almost like within this this construct, these tools that you can use to dial in your audience to get them to the place you need them emotionally to prepare them for the next stage, whatever this next thing is. And that really actually has its roots back in like the Lumiere times, the late 1800s, like 1892 when film was first happening in the early 1900s. Around that same time was when all the Freudian analysis was going on and the uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff like that. And much of that was very much about taking a person through the experience vicariously so that they're safe, but they can have the catharsis that goes with the experience. And at the same time, there is this development of this visual filmmaking thing that is a similar way of taking a person emotionally. It arrests your imagination. It draws you in. Right. It creates – you're a counterpart in the story now, and you're able to safely – navigate through something that could be really emotionally intense and come out feeling saved on the other side, perhaps, or, you know, or whatever that, that creator wants you to feel, because again, you're telling a story. And that's like, when I look at your paintings, I don't look at your paintings as individual paintings. I look at the body of work that you've produced as a story that you are telling, you know what I mean? And so each of those pieces of work is informing more of that story, you know, Mm. and in your story, there is humor, no doubt. And as you and I, 
I have delved into dystopia, this world that you've been painting, we found that humor is definitely has a huge role in the, this kind of chaotic, destroyed, absurd world, you know? Right. And so again, you know, that is true for your, your body of work, you know, and that may not be true for everyone's, but it's right. all about how you take those emotional controls and weave them seamlessly and intuitively and and comfortably into what it is that you're doing, not only to produce work that feels right, but to produce work that is getting the desired result. Because don't ever pretend that you're not, you know, your work isn't going to get some result, whether you want it to or not. And so you might as well have it be getting the desired result. And that comes all the way down to like you, you're not going to be a sloppy, shitty painter, because that's not going to get you the desired result, right? right? You know what I mean? And so Everything that you do in your work, all these decisions that we make, whether we're writers or we're, you know, painters or we're sculptors or we're filmmakers, all of these things that we're doing, you know, those are all stages in this process of trying to say, how can I convey this thing that only I can convey to more people, right. you know? Yeah, and there are and, these tools at your disposal, and humor is one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that I, I just think because of the term dark art and the the connotations that we're trying to break, really, with this podcast and the society yeah. is that is that it's it's all dark and there's no humor, and it's clearly not the case. So, um, you know, I, it's it, it, there. Another weird uh, little tidbit. Do you know about the fear grin, the chimps, and their fear grin? It, uh, that's because, you know, I know about that, I think, because of all the monkey things I worked on and makeup effects and all the research. But when monk, when chimps get afraid, they, they make this crazy smile. They call it the fear grin. And uh -huh. it's it looks like this intense smile, but it's fear. And it's just interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's interesting that it's kind of related uh it, it's 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 a uh, this weird expression of it looks really funny too which is strange it's bizarre it's this weird but it's just part of that weird connection between fear and, and humor i suppose and so well even like when you way. talk about your dreams when i've asked you about your dreams that you have they're like scary dreams they'll be like these scary monsters but then you can see that they're wearing these cheap shitty costumes yeah, you know? right <laughs> and so it's like even in your dreams it permeates you know like for me for instance when i have scary dreams there is no humor in my scary Right, dreams right. it is not funny there is nothing funny about it but for you <laughs> because of who you are you know even in your your nightmares there's this element of humor where you're like oh that's a scary mob but i can see how that crappy right. paper mache mask is on his head you know yeah, yeah. and so no wonder you like devo you know no wonder that speaks to you because mm -hmm. you look at like some of their early stuff and it's like it's creepy because it's kind of hokey but then it's yeah, like it's yeah. kind of because it's hokey yeah know? yeah yeah exactly they, yeah they were like one of the first bands to to use that um low culture kitsch yeah. and turn it show how creepy it was yeah yeah which is really great yeah it's totally great i mean i i do have a you know despite what you said earlier i do <laughs> i know I that was so condescending i said that i, I was did. like oh that was so condescending i was joking though <laughs> I, I know you were i didn't take it that way i've learned i've known you long enough yeah, now yeah. to know when you're well first of all i don't know that you've i really can think of any time you've ever condescended to me like i, I don't know i've to. never really felt condescended to. to by you i think i've probably condescended <laughs> to you far more because i have this kind of natural fallback state of like being like no i know how to do everything you know what i mean and then 
even when a person explains to me that I'm wrong, I'm willing to adjust to that. That's right. the one thing I have in my favor. But I do have this kind of like coming out the gates like, oh, I know how I have it all figured out. You know, rarely do I actually have it figured out. That's the funny part. But I always think I do. That's the right. funniest part about it. I have myself convinced, you know. What was your point, though? I don't remember what we were talking about. You stopped. <laughs> I don't know. You were saying something about something about Devo and that you had an appreciation. Oh, I guess I was just saying that, you know, I do, I, I can really appreciate what they did and also appreciate the material that you showed me. It, here's the thing that I can't do is like, I can't get down with the music. Like I would never oh, like sit uh. down with the music on and like listen to it because it's not my jam, you know, right. like I, I totally have huge respect for what they did and appreciate it, especially because of the crash course, the six hour crash course or whatever. <laughs> crash course and then we listened to it in your car, I think for the whole rest of that time I was there too. Yeah. But no, I really can appreciate what they did. It's just that it's not my jam, you know? Right. And so I wouldn't sit down and put them on to be like, yeah, this is some groovy tunes to listen to. You know what yeah. I mean? But I, I really, you know, what they did was this amazing balance. Cause they're wearing like these rubber kid masks. Yeah. Right. They're like so cheap and goofy, but then it's like creepy because you can't see their faces and the way they're moving their bodies is like <laughs> almost robotic a little bit. But then it's like in this crappy basement kind of right. feel and the music's really off kilter and kind of like what I would call like bastard noise where it's like really kind of discordant and right. electronic and unnerving. And the yeah. thing is, I even like to make music like that. So I got nothing to hold against the guys for what they did, you know, and, and they did it at a time too, when you look politically and also culturally where we were, what they did, you know? Oh, yeah. So it, is a great example of that that balance between that humor and that fear you know mm -hmm. and i never like when i was to bring it back to haunted houses real quick you know i I never went into a haunted house because I wanted to laugh. I mean, I didn't go into a haunted house because I thought it was going to be funny, but I am always smiling when I come out of one. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, there is this sensation of perceived threat, but recognition that it doesn't actually have any real weight. And that then there's this sensation of feeling vicariously saved or kind of relieved or kind of like, Oh, okay. It's not as bad as it could have been, you right, know? Yeah. But you know, why do we subject ourselves to those things? You know, I think again, it's a psychological thing. I mean, there are a lot of things in this world. Again, we don't have control over. There are a lot of things that might happen to us that we may not be prepared for. Why do I like to watch scary stuff? Well, because the reality is, is, you know, maybe then I feel more prepared for some inevitable, uninevitable thing to happen. Like, right, that, right. you know, some horror movie scenario is not going to happen to me, but <laughs> hey, that just reminds me of playing the, uh, the, uh, the virtual reality zombie game at uh, Chris Velasco's. That is a perfect example of, you know, it, may, it makes you feel totally scared, but because you know that you can't get hurt, it's just like a big laugh riot. You know, yeah. you're just cracking up while you're doing it and being scared at the same time. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the two emotions are so, so much closer, I think, than we give it credit. You know, I think that's the best point too. that you could really make in the whole thing because I think that's also true, though, for a lot of emotions that we deal right. with. I mean, as humans, we like to compartmentalize mm -hmm. and we like to define things and put them in nice, neat little categories with names and labels and boxes so that we can orient ourselves right. in this world. But the reality is, is there is no perfect defining line between love and hate between fear and humor right. you know yeah 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 that's all that's and, all and psychological it's for really every individual too you yeah, know yeah, i mean yeah. your fine line between humor and fear is going to be very different than my fine line right. between humor and, i mean you know? i i would even go as far as to say probably the 
the the some the more more prevalent themes in my artwork more than than the creepiness or at least more than the dark factor is humor and empathy yeah. You know, to me, it's like Your to me is really are sad to me. Most. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they mostly strike me as really sad, insufferable kind of, you know, creatures. Yeah. It's to me, it's more about the thing that really gets me is when you go is that, oh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, <laughs> that's the thing. I really find myself uh, wanting to capture when I paint more than any other aspect more to me. It's like just going for straight up scary is kind of not to sound condescending, but for me, it feels like it's a little too easy just to go for pure evil. That's kind of, and maybe that's because I was doing monsters for my whole first part of my life in movies where it was always about, you know, making them as scary as possible. Mm -hmm. So it seems more of a challenge to make something that is monstrous and, you know, uh, creepy. I got to shut the door stupid dogs and but uh and and having that kind of humor and empathy for them you know mm -hmm, that that mm -hmm. to me is is like a bigger challenge and and more fun and and i, I don't know there's something well, i, li and I and like honestly, about honestly when i look at your paintings my favorite paintings are the ones that have those two qualities so like for instance remembering like he has such you, right, it's just right. the, oh, you know, yeah, this yeah. poor creature. Like, what horrible shit happened to him that he looks like that? You know, he really looks forlorn, you yeah. know? And so that, to me, captures that kind of, like, real sadness, you know? But then I look at something like Hayseed, and right. I just think it's hilarious. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, partly it's the title, but also you just look at this dude with this, you know, this this uh, husk <laughs> hanging out his mouth, and he just looks, like, dorky and, like, just kind of <laughs> like a like – a, kind of a dummy yeah, and just yeah. like not, you know and he, and he kind of just doesn't like maybe ignorant kind of just doesn't know how fucked up everything is so he's just kind of like oh got myself this thing in my mouth yeah you know the funny, i don't know it, and so again they, when i think of the ones that i think are funny versus the ones that i think are are sad you know those are the ones that really you know make me that get me the most excited i mean now you have some other ones that stand outside those realms that i wouldn't consider to be anything other than more like surrealistic like under the influence is one right. of my favorite favorite paintings peekaboo i love uh peekaboo is kind of funny though peekaboo is to me peekaboo is funny because it's it's if i didn't have the title it wouldn't be funny but well, the, right. the title the makes thing. adds the humor because it's like you know it's just a creepy ass guy pulling a curtain back like look looking behind from outside the curtain but the yeah. you know saying peekaboo makes it hilarious same with hanky panky is kind of like that yeah. too you know yeah. it's dark as shit but the well the fact that he has his pinkies up it's kind of funny and That's then the humor. and yeah. then the yeah. title yeah. hanky panky is kind of funny it makes it kind of funny too totally. but i mean i guess when i think of rem or when i think of um uh, Under the influence is very serious, though. Peekaboo, if it, you know, if Peekaboo didn't have the title, if I'm just looking at the painting, there's nothing in that painting to me that's humorous. It's that's funny. it's funny that you. It's so funny you brought that up because I've always thought that painting was hilarious. <laughs> Well, and that's the difference. It gets yeah, yeah. like you said, not thinking this because, like, some of the horses that Bekshinsky paints, think I think it. that I think Bekshinsky's horses are funny as hell. Like the horse faces that he paints are so right. funny looking. They're like these really goofy, like big nostrilled horsey things that just right. like they totally. Th I think they're hilarious. So again, it's that weird line of like everyone's got that buzzer, you know, that right. funny buzzer. Like, what is it that's funny, you know, and yeah. what isn't, you right. know. 
I mean, yeah. you know, the, and then there's the obvious ones like it's all good, you know, even without yeah. that title. It's yeah, funny. It's funny. He's holding his thumbs, thumbs up, but he's got this like warped out looking face or, <laughs> you know, or cancer face, you know, right. uh, any example. of those ones. Again, it's like they're they're goofy and they're funny, you know, right. and without the title, you still know it because you look at it and it's just funny, you right. know. Yeah. Or Bloom, you know, Bloom's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? that's a really this funny one. bomb going off. You know, the funny thing about Hayseed is just on a tangent that I had a cigarette in his mouth when I originally made that and it was for commission uh-huh. for somebody and they were like, oh, I don't want a cigarette in the mouth. Uh, They're like all anti-smoking. I'm like, uh, I've had a lot of people say that. It's so weird because it's like, it's not promoting smoking. You know, it's, it's one of the biggest things that people have always asked me as someone who revolves around the world that is Chad is people are like, you know, what's with all this creature smoking? It's a, ca- it's a, it's, it's a care. It's a part of the care character. Right? You know, yeah. it's just, to me, it's, it's the right thing for them to be doing. It doesn't, it's not a judgment thing at all. It's not like saying smoking's cool. My monster yeah. smoked because it's cool. It's like, no, if anything, it's like my monsters. Look at, him. Look are, at that monster. He's yeah. Yeah. Up. You think he's cool? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or it's if, very cool. If anything, like I've, I've said before, I think it adds this humanizing element and and a um a flaw an element of being flawed, you know, because everybody who smokes, myself sure. included, you know, it's bad for you. But yeah, you know, you're kind of addicted to tobacco, so it's it's a human dumb thing that we do. And so to me, that's perfect for my mm-hmm. monsters. You know, it's so it's just I don't know. It's it's weird. Well, that, for it's me, weird that people have like the hang that have the hang up about smoking. It's like so sure. Social engineering is what well, it is. Some people, very some much people like, have also some people speaking of social engineering, some people have hang ups about the handguns in your paintings. You yeah, know, right, right. Because they have issues with guns. I'm and, like and again, so it, I'm not into guns. You're way more into guns than me. I'm not into guns at all. That's, that's the other irony, than, yeah. is that you got all these guns in your paintings, but you don't even own a gun, and you like get all queefed out when there's a gun around. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not a gun yeah. person at all, but no, I think not. they look... It's, it's ironic. I think they're but great Here's symbols. the thing, though. The reason why, like, okay, I look at your paintings. when Before I knew you, before I even knew who Chet Zar was, and I was looking at your artwork, the reason why... The, the guns and the cigarettes always jived with me. If they even are cigarettes, half the time they right. look like joints yeah. or rollies or who the hell knows. But anyway, the point is, is, you know, I saw that and I was thrown back to when I was a kid. Cause when I, when I pull out all my drawings that I drew as a kid, they all were smoking. They all had guns and knives. <laughs> they all had like a bottle of beer or something like all the things you're not supposed to do, right. you know? And like these cool, creepy funny haircuts and like they were always like ruffians like i always drew right, ruffians right. and it's my it wasn't like i i made it an effort as a 10 year old to draw these kinds of things it was just what i drew and as i got older i kept doing it so now even if i sit down and draw in all likelihood it's gonna its face is gonna be melty it's probably gonna be smoking and there may <laughs> be some weapon in the the drawing you know and that's right. just it's my natural proclivity right? Right, right and so the reason i'm attracted to your paintings in that aspect is because it's my natural proclivity right, you right. know yeah 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 i don't know it's just it's funny because it's it's i don't feel like it relates to me being a smoker at all it's it's a separate thing and, and i think even like i was saying um uh, I probably got it from Mad Magazine back in the day, and the oh. Ser- Sergio Aragonez—I think that's how you pronounce his name. We did the little, the little comics on the side of the page. Yep. He did some, some of those, and those dudes are always smoking. You know, mm-hmm. they're all like a lot, a lot of yeah, so. all, all that stuff. So it's really, anyway, that's a, that's a total tangent. But um, 
I think we're coming. Well, it isn't. It isn't because it's kind of funny. I mean, I got to say, like when I look at, like you know, when I I put my face over your one digital dude that I the other day, you know, I made that funny picture, that funny meme with me as one of your monsters, and that monster was smoking. Oh yeah. And I mm-hmm. also happened to be smoking too, and I lined <laughs> it up like perfectly, you know. <laughs> and it was like to me, it was like funny, you know, again mm-hmm. because like when I looked at that creature that you'd done, it was a digital thing. It was a digital painting. It wasn't a you know a, an oil painting. And he's just so he looks like a gas station attendant in dystopia he's got like this wife beater on he's got this kind right. of crew cut and he's like lanky and i could just picture him like pumping some fuel at some crappy decrepit weird you know fuel stop place you know right. smoking this cigarette and it's all bent and that right. it's like, kind of like fear and loathing style yeah. where it's like it's like it's broken almost yeah. like it's still kind of burning you know and that was how i felt that day so it was just like you know that was why it was funny to me and that was right. i was pointing again speaking of humor it was like that's one of the ways that i express myself creatively is to like make fun of how shitty I feel at times. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, that Absolutely. was how I felt. I felt like a fucking Chet Zar monster that day. I felt like that Chet Zar monster <laughs> pumping fuel at some shitty dystopia fuel stop, you know? Broken cigarette hanging out my mouth, you know? And, and sometimes it's fun to laugh ab- about that instead of, you know, just like, for me, uh, you know, kind of indulging in this sense of like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, because that's not productive for me. That's not going to help me get anything yeah, it's done. A, it's a, I'm feeling like shit. I need to be. Yeah, productive. it's a it's a good coping mechanism for sure, and I, I don't think it's an uncommon coping mechanism. That reminds me too when you see with nail and I, there's a there's some good cigarette, sm- there's some good smoking scenes in there. So you have yeah. to watch with nail and I. Damn it! And every anyone who hasn't seen it, who's who's in the who's listening to the podcast. It's called With Nail and I, and it's fucking great. It's well, brilliant. Chet's been bugging me about it and even bought it for me, and it's now sitting <laughs> the open my desk over here. So now, he, now he's got no excuse you not know, to watch it. Here's the here's the thing I would I do want to mention real fast for anybody that you know does appreciate the kind of like meme dark humor aspect because I like to incorporate a lot of art and and design into making memes because for me that's like a a creative break so like during my day i'm working i'm working i'm being creative and then i gotta take a break because i need to like eat some lunch for 20 minutes or whatever if i make a meme it's like it gives me this chance to be creative but also express my frustration about things and i don't normally share them with anybody as you know you know i i send these secret memes to my just my close friends because it's a way for me to be creative keep the creative juices flowing do something fun and also also purge this kind of like, ugh, you know, however I'm feeling about whatever. But they're not necessarily for mass consumption. But with that said, we do have a page for mass consumption of it. It's called Irreverent Mimetic Code. And you guys should all head over there and join the group because it's a closed group, but it's public and it's hilarious. And it's that a place where we all engage in that together. Basically, the purge valve for our frustrating day is to look at some funny memes and chat posts there too. So uh, yeah. there's another other reason. I'm not I'm not one of the big posters, but there's some pretty funny funny memes in there. That's that's Mike's little sideline. It is it is funny. There's some your sister's post's my favorite. Your sister's hilarious. I'll have to tell her that. I'll yeah. make her happy. Well, <laughs> some of her yeah, are the best. You, you must love some of the stuff I make because you made me send you a whole folder of stuff the other day. Oh yeah, no, no, that goes without saying. <laughs> Anyway, we should wrap this up. We're at okay, about well, I got to read hour. off these new members because we're super stoked about the Dark Art Society Patreon and all of the support that we've gotten. And I would like to continue from the last one. Last time was uh, member 56, Trevor Ryder. And now we're moving on here to member 57 and on. That's Jennifer Steck, Aaron Antak, Corbin Boyle, Otis Chamberlain, Christopher Meyer, Brad Brandmeyer, Heather Gillis. Dark Arts Compendium, T.C. Largay, 
Justin Voss, excuse me, Justin Foss, James Ball, Christopher Montgomery, Jennifer Hraboda Lesser. I'm doing my best, guys. Uh, Adam, is it Adam Bennett or Adam Benet? Because it looks kind of French, but I'm going to say Bennett. Adam Bennett. I'm going to go for Bennett, Bennett. Adam Bennett. <laughs> uh, Chris Halford, Jason Cohen, Steve Clef, Matthew Starr, Laura Gallagher, Gallagher, Gallagher. I think it's Gallagher. Gallagher, Lorna Mess, Patrick Ty, and Dos Diablos. All right. Yeah. So thank, thank you again, everybody, and all the other ones that were mentioned on the previous. That, yeah. Thank you so much for supporting. This thing's really happening. Um, the the secret Patreon group is amazing. It's really probably the most active group I'm in right now, and it's all you know the hardcore, the hardest of the hardcore dark art people who are into it enough to where they would throw down a buck to be part of this. And so it's it's cool. There's not a lot of fluff in there it's a lot of artists and art uh dark artists and dark art fans who are throwing around ideas about how we grow this movement and yeah it's really exciting it's really one of the most exciting things i've been involved with and i can't even remember so it's well and i'd like to give a shout out to josh clark for making those uh pages you know he's gone yeah. in there and gone out of his way to create you know these pages that have uh books book lists and movie lists yeah it's and amazing. he's really he went out of his way to really do a nice job on that and that was just for everybody and the thing is that's beautiful about that is that when we start making enough money to be able to actually build the website through the Patreon, we're going to be able to utilize that as a, a starting point. So it's already being informed and created by the people that are a part of the cooperative because that's where I'm going to start. I'm not going to go out of my way to make a reading list off of stuff out of my head if I already got all the stuff that all the people have already put down. Right. Right? Yeah, so yeah. it's just a really cool thing. It's already a resource. It's already a functioning resource right. center. And so it's just, it's exciting to see it happening so quickly and to see people being so motivated to, you know, pursue it and, and to be a part of it. Yeah. And when you're, when you're in there, you know, it's, it's the, the, the people that no are really, yeah, yeah. The people that are really into it. There's not, you know, there's no casual people in there. It's like people that really want to be there and are totally into it and get, and they get you, they get what you're about. They get what your art's about. You know, it's not like you ever have to explain to yourself or justify that you're a dark artist or a dark art fan. It's like, we're all, we're, we're all there. We've already been through that. And so now we're all kind of gathering together and just sharing ideas and, and it, uh, so there's just, ideas going about how to start galleries or how to get shows going it's really really cool so um you know it's only a buck so i would you know it's really it's and it's you know it's it's about pulling our resources to make something big and it's not about um <clears throat> trying to get a dollar off you you know i would if in in a in a in an ideal world you would want to be i i feel my, like i want to add my friends in there but it's not fair to people who are willing to put a dollar down and a dollar's nothing so it's it's like you know you gotta you gotta charge that buck at least well, it's <clears> just to make it fair for the, yeah, it's, yeah it's all it's, it's for the greater good of the dark art community i mean you have to legitimize what it is that we're doing in some fashion and we have to rally resources in such a fashion that we can continue to pursue what it is that we're doing more thoroughly and more you know and with greater depth and with you know more peripherals and all of that again it, it costs money and as individuals chet and i we just cannot afford to do it but as a group we all can afford to do it and 
Chad and I have the energy and the resources to do it. We just need the financial support. All right. So thank you for all of those of you who have supported. And and if you haven't, at least check out the Patreon. Yeah, give it a look. And um, or a share. Even if you don't have a buck, we understand. Share it for us. You know what I mean? And not just for us, but for the movement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for talking, Mike. That was fun. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week. Catch you guys next Wednesday. Bye-bye. Peace.